show up like a human being first. Human being first. That's what creates that depth of relationship and that strength of relationship. We we have to lead with, hey, Bill, what do you need? What can I do to help you? Anything, any way I can serve you today? Hey, Bill, I saw that you were looking for a, a roofer. I've got a couple of great names. Would you like them? Hey, Bill, I saw that your grandmother died. Gosh, I'm so sorry. Can I bring you dinner? Like, human being first. You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Risser, General Manager of U.S. Sales and Marketing for Rate My Agent, a digital marketing platform allowing you to leverage the power of your verified reviews. Listen in as I interview leaders in the industry, getting their backstories and their journey to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 259 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. Today, I'm heading to the Midwest. I'm going to Cincinnati, Ohio, and we're going to be chatting with Monica Weekly. Monica has a coaching business called My Coach Monica. She also has created a site to help agents that struggle with delivering content via social, and it's called Ghost Poster. Those links will be in the show notes. And she's also an agent with EXP. So she's a practicing producing agent as well as a coach. Very excited to chat with her. Let's get this thing going. Monica, welcome to the podcast. Bill, thank you for having me. It is a true honor. Well, I, look, I've, I, I, I received an email telling me about you and, that, and some of the great things you're doing. And so I always make sure that, you know, the person is not um, like a psycho killer. You know, right, just, right. You know, basic stuff, I right? think that's and, legitimate. Yeah. And so I, ta- I reached out to Scott Euler, who is a, a friend of mine in Cincinnati and a past guest on the podcast. He had wonderful things to say about you. That is so cool. And Scott is a first-class guy and a first-class agent all the way. So I will take that compliment and run with it. Yeah, that's great. I, I, he's an amazing guy. He is. So you, you call Cincinnati home. And, I, and I, you were born and raised there, right? I was born and raised in Cincinnati. I've moved away a couple times for jobs and school, but I, I keep coming back. I love, love this city. Uh, it's, it's look, I've never been there, but I, let me tell you what I know okay. about Cincinnati. Okay. Right. I know you're right across the river from Kentucky. That's right. Exactly. I don't know the river though. Which river? Ohio River. Oh, okay. Good. The Ohio River. Yeah. Good. I mm-hmm. should, should have known that. Easy to remember. Yeah. I know the Bengals seem to struggle a lot. Yeah. The, <laughs> the Bearcats are up and down. Yeah. Either whether it's football or basketball. And yeah. I hear about them all the time. And the Big Red Machine was probably the best team I ever saw live. Oh, is that right? That, that time frame in the 70s was pretty amazing. Oh, my gosh. Tell me. That <laughs> was amazing. And and the, yeah. the Reds have just such an amazing history. I mean, they're the first team in baseball. They were called the Red Stockings, I think. or Yeah, yeah Red Stockings, I think, back in 1869. Yeah. So we've got a lot of history with them. And you've got some very passionate fans for sure. Yeah. When I was growing up, I mean, and this was a big, the big deal. The Reds always got the first game, you know, that was yeah. their thing. They opened the season right. for decades and then, you know, things started changing in baseball and modernizing you're, lost you're that. Right. <laughs> and just last week we lost Joe Morgan, number eight, part of the big red machine. And wow. uh, yeah, I, when I was playing softball as a very young girl, because I mean, I'm talking like 12. I don't play softball now, but I used to stand like him. And if anybody knows Joe Morgan, he would pump his right arm. I think it was right handed. Yep. So he'd pump his right arm. And I would do that as a 12 year old. It was so ridiculous, but he was such a, uh, just an awesome player and everybody loved him. Yeah. Back to back MVPs during that big red machine time. He, yeah, he was amazing. 
Oh, I, I, yeah, I love, love baseball. So uh, that's great. I told you everything I know. You got to fill in the gaps for me. Tell me what I should know about Cincinnati. All right, perfect. Well, Cincinnati is actually uniquely positioned right in the valley, right in the Ohio Valley. And I don't know, little known fact, 60% of the U.S. population is within a half day drive of Cincinnati, Ohio. So we, yeah, it's very, I mean, we can get up to Chicago very easily. We're a a drive to Philadelphia. We can, of course, go north to Cleveland if anybody would ever want to do that. I don't know why they would, but uh, that's just a little Ohio humor. Sorry. Sure. And then, of course, south. So we're also home to 10 Fortune 500 companies, Um, a lot of big businesses that the country will recognize, like Procter & Gamble and Kroger and Macy's and AK Steel and Western Southern Insurance and some really incredible companies located here in Cincinnati. But we are famous for a couple of things. Well, Jerry Springer, for one. (laughs) (laughs) He was a mayor. I know that. I, I forgot that. I mayor. Forgot that. Yeah, and, yeah. A, and a news broadcaster. And anyway, right. nice guy. Actually, really nice guy. But we're famous for our chili. Have you ever had Cincinnati chili? I don't think so. Okay. It's very different. It's thinner and sweeter than traditional chili. And I know there are lots of different kinds. It has cinnamon and chocolate and nutmeg in it. And we put it on top of spaghetti and hot dogs. Wow. I'm, yeah. I'm all in. I got to find that. That's great. You do. There might be a Skyline Chili in your town because I know they've, they're they down in Florida. They're in Naples for sure. Okay. I think, I'll look for it. Yeah, I think they are. I'm pretty sure. And then, of course, Grater's Ice Cream, which is super famous ice cream around the country. People have it shipped and that's right. another hometown favorite. Wow. I, look, I, I can tell you're passionate about where you grew up. I love I that. I think that's I cool. So I'd like to kind of, you know, kind of weave our way into real estate because most of us didn't get to real estate right away. (laughs) I find that out of the 260 people I've interviewed, like 10 knew they were going to be a realtor in high school. So what were you going to do when you were in high school, Monica? What was your career path? Well, I wanted to be a marine biologist, but that was just like in my head only. I made no steps towards that. I just thought, you know, whales, that would be awesome. (laughs) Uh, but I come from a long line of attorneys. My dad's an attorney. My grandfather was an attorney. His father was an attorney. And I sort of lived a very blind high school and college life in that I just thought that's what I should do. And so I took my LSATs in college. I mean, I was very close to heading in that direction. And I'm very thankful, no disrespect to um, my father and the lineage before him, but I'm very thankful that I had an eye-opening sort of moment of reality that that's completely not what I was interested in whatsoever. And I needed to wake up and figure out what I wanted to do. So that's where I was in high school. Yeah. What, where did you, where'd you go to school in college? Denison University, small liberal arts school up near Columbus. Fantastic spot, made credible friends, very small, like 2,000 students altogether. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of those. I I grew up in California and there were a lot of those little schools scattered throughout Southern California. And yeah, they they always, um, you know, alumni of those schools can say nothing but great things. So yeah, there's such good memories built there. You know, it's life was easier back then. That's for sure. So you didn't head off to law school. So what did you do right out of school? So right out of school, my roommate from college called me uh, about a month after we were home. And she said, well, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. 
I really don't know. At the time, I think I was waiting tables and I was struggling. And she said, why don't we get an apartment in Old Town Alexandria? She was from Maryland, the DC area. Mm-hmm. And I said, that sounds like fun. And uh, she said, you got to move here and we'll get an apartment. And I asked my parents, I said, if you find a job, that's fine. So it just so happened that a neighbor's daughter was leaving her position with a congressman from Ohio on the Hill. And somehow my mom heard. And I mean, one, two, three, I was in, I interviewed, got the job. So I was, I worked for a congressman on the Hill in DC uh, for a year or two after school. Yeah. Let's talk about that experience. (laughs) You're in your early twenties with a whole bunch of other young people that work in those offices. You had to have, it had to be a lot of fun. It was so much fun, but I will tell you, Bill, I learned more about our U.S. government in that year and a half than I did in all of my years of learning. I mean, just being immersed in it and seeing how it worked and how backwards it was in some way and and how incredible the history was in other ways. I mean, our local news was national news. I mean, we were the center of everything. It was just, it was really cool. And I'm sure you've visited DC. In fact, you have a son that lives there, right? Yeah, I've been there a few times. (laughs) There's a lot to do and a lot to learn about. And one of the coolest things was I got my uh, library card from the Congressional Library. And I had a library card. I sent it to my mom. I'm like, I'm I'm big time up here. (laughs) Yeah, I got a real library. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. Somehow we've got to get you into um, a career kind of in sales, right? Yeah, sure. So I came home. My roommate moved out to California to work for Hilton. And I just came home. And I started in human resources. And from there, I got a job with Deluxe Financial, which is the check printers, Deluxe check printers. So I moved to Columbus to cover a central Ohio territory there. And that's where I got into sales. I had a small base with a commission. So it was a nice introduction to, hey, look, you get paid if you do stuff kind of mentality, which was new for me. And from there, I just escalated. I worked in radio um, as a as an account rep selling airtime um, for many years and kind of worked my way up in clear channel radio, which many people know and are familiar with now. And at the very end, I was um, managing a region of sellers for uh, sponsorships for live event centers like amphitheaters and whatnot. Yeah. So in the Ohio area, I had Indiana, Ohio, a a few cities in Michigan. So just territory. Okay. What, yeah. what, what was the name of the company there? Clear Channel. That's called Clear Channel Entertainment. They manage a lot of them. Clear Channel today is a lot different than it was probably when you were there, right? Yes. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Things I mean, have changed dramatically in lot, that space. A lot. Yeah. It used <laughs> to be very like fun. podcasts and, <laughs> yeah, and satellite yeah. radio. Everything has changed. You're right. Well, what's interesting yeah. is why I liked it was because it was relationship-based. And if you developed a relationship with a business and you really engaged, it came from contribution and helped them um, strategize through their marketing, you had a customer for life. And I love that. And then at some point, that business became very transactional. The, the dollars weren't there to build the relationship. So you're 100% right. And I think that's what drew me to real estate is I felt like back to that. 
Yeah, I was going to say, what a wonderful segue. Let's let's mm-hmm. go there. So, what was the what was that? Uh, you you used this earlier today, and I'm going to steal this from you for some future episodes. What was your procuring cause? <laughs> <laughs> Such a term we use, right? Yeah, well, into the world of real estate. I remember coming back from Washington D.C. and sitting on the deck. I can picture exactly where I was. It was happy hour, so my parents were having their drinks, and I told them I wanted to go into real estate, and they both said, "Absolutely not. You need to get a real job." These were these were their words. These are not entrepreneurs. They're wonderful people. I love them to death. Neither one of them has an entrepreneurial bone in their body. You know, you need to get a real job and get to work. So, no, you can't. And you know what, Bill? They were probably right. I was not financially mature enough to probably manage a full commission position. I, I don't know. Plus 21, very young. I always wanted to do that. So, that job I mentioned where I was managing the regional manager of this position, they were redistricting and they needed one of the regional managers to go. And so they took volunteers first before they laid somebody off. And I volunteered because there was a $30,000 severance package for me to leave. I was like, I could get my license. That'd be a couple months to live on before I have my first sale. So I did it. I just pulled the trigger. It was a leap of faith. Yeah. Who'd you end up going to for your first brokerage? First brokerage was uh, at the time local Huff Realty. They're still called Huff, but they're owned by Berkshire Hathaway now. Okay. And somehow we get you to Keller Williams, right? Yes. After Huff, well, what's interesting is I left Huff because my sales were down. I was struggling (laughs) and I thought it was the broker's fault as we all do, (laughs) right? I got to change brokers. I got to change this up. So ironically, I went to another traditional style broker thinking that would solve it. And what I very quickly, like in the first two months, realized is the problem is me. I'm not doing what I need to be doing every day. I'm making excuses. I'm looking for somebody else to be responsible for my success. And that's when Keller Williams called and actually asked if I would join them as their assistant team leader to do training. Because I had been very successful in the market and um, had nice relationships everywhere, you know. So that's how I got started at KW. Keller Williams is absolutely known for the the amount of training that happens inside those market You're centers, right. right? It's an incredible training. Yeah. Yes. I was trained as a leader. Our agents were trained as business owners. I mean, there was something there for, for everybody, for sure. Yeah. Um, you're still licensed, correct? Yes. In fact, I'm yeah. running my business right now. I, I took a three-year hiatus from that where I was just doing coaching, strictly coaching mm-hmm. agents around the country. But in April, I got back into production and have rebuilt uh, my business on what I was coaching. And so I have some nice evidence now that this works. Yeah. So you're you're still coaching. Yes. But but having having that production, uh, it must really lend a lot of credence to what you say when when people you know know that you're actually in the business, right? Yes, it's interesting. Yeah. I was talking to my business coach and telling him that I wanted to write a, a, a book of sorts on this, like a guide, because I am a relationship based seller and I work on strictly on referral. I do not do transactional. I do not like calling people I don't know. I cry when people hang up on me. I'm very sensitive and I don't like it. So I'm referral based. And I know that we, as agents who want to do business like that, we can have a predictable and steady flow of referrals and therefore income. And we can control that with activities and a system. Too many agents believe that if I want that type of business, I just have to hope I'm lucky. I have to hope I know the right people and I have to hope they call me and like me. 
And that's just not the case. We can be very systematic in that. So I was telling Hank uh, that I wanted to write a book about this and teach people how to follow a system around building a referral-based business. And I said, but I want to do it myself first. And he's like, you don't need to do that. You have enough evidence. You don't need to do it. And it always stuck that, I, but I want to do it. I want to take something from zero to you know, where it is. So I got lucky to have an opportunity to relaunch my business in April and do that um, because I was going to be moving actually down to Florida with you. And through some circumstances, we were raising my 13-year-old nephew. So now we're here for another six years. Might as well go back in and make some money. Yeah. Uh, that's so that's what I did. Let's talk about relationships in the business. Mm-hmm. I'm a massive fan of that word. You know, I think I talk a lot about um, the importance of conversations, right? Mm-hmm. You got to be talking to people. Mm-hmm. And, and and as you said, it isn't people you don't know, but you, if you have a sphere or a database of people, you've got to be talking to them on a regular basis, right? That's right. So let's talk a little bit about the, the, how those conversations happen and in, in the way you talk about it with your, with your clients. And sure. um, with now with social media, making it much easier mm-hmm. to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. I think is that a is that a, a great channel that you promote and talk about and how to oh, kind of keep these relationships absolutely. going? Absolutely. Facebook okay. is the number one business tool that has ever been given to us as real estate agents. Period. End of conversation. Doesn't mean you can't be successful over on Instagram and LinkedIn and all that's great. But Facebook is where people show you how they want to be seen, how they want their life to look, what's important to them, what they celebrate. This is where people do that. And as somebody that wants to be in relationship with uh, these folks, uh, this this is a gift for me to be able to fire up my computer and see what's important to the people that are important to me. It's just amazing. There's an obvious statement in that there are two reasons people give referrals. And we kind of know them, but I want to um, say it out loud so that we can relate everything else to this. So people give referrals for two reasons. One is they need to have a genuine, genuine, deep-rooted care about your success. Like they need to care about you and that you do well. And this isn't just, oh, I like Bill. He's a nice guy. Yeah, sure. He's cool. No, this is like, no, Bill is the best. Bill is awesome. I care about him as a human being. The other thing is they need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, 150% that you will take care of their referral and that they will have a good experience. And so we take for granted as agents that that's easy for people to do. Why wouldn't they just give me a referral? They knew somebody selling and they didn't call me. And we just have to acknowledge it's not that easy. They have to stop what they're doing. They have to take time to explain who you are and why it's a good idea. Then they have to connect you. And then they have to worry about whether or not you're going to deliver. People are too busy. It's really, it's a bigger deal than you think. And so when you can understand sort of the roots that are underneath uh, a referral, then you can begin to see why it's important that you do two things every single day in your business. One, show up like a human being first. Human being first. That's what creates that depth of relationship and that strength of relationship. We we have to lead with, hey, Bill, what do you need? What can I do to help you? Anything, any way I can serve you today? Hey, Bill, I saw that you were looking for a roofer. I've got a couple of great names. Would you like them? Hey, Bill, I saw that your grandmother died. Gosh, I'm so sorry. Can I bring you dinner? Like, human being first. And the second thing we need to be doing every single day is what I call flying our real estate flag. 
And this means we need to be demonstrating, educating, and informing people what we do for a living every day. The reason you, if you're listening to this and you're an agent that's frustrated with your business, the reason you are not getting more referrals is because you're not being thought of. You're not being thought of enough. So those two things, can you see, Bill, how those relate to the two reasons why people give referrals? First of all, you're going to show up like a human being first. So the law of reciprocity says, you know, that will work. You show up like a human being. I'm going to show up like a human being. You care about me. I care about you. And then the second thing is this this sense that I need to know you're going to do a good job. And that's my job as the real estate agent to show everybody how I operate, that I know things that are important, that I have access to information that is helpful, that I care about my clients and this is how I serve them. And look, we're just not doing that enough. And it's it's really not that hard because it seems like it should be obvious, um, but we have to be purposeful with it. If only there was some way you I could get some help with some of those messages or the, the way that I wanted to deliver that, you know, that human experience. Do you, do you know any way I could do that? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's <laughs> funny, Bill. You're so awesome. Thank you. One of the frustrations I was seeing amongst agents, I was coaching to this. And by the way, I would be remiss if I didn't say that th- there's a system that I follow and that I've tweaked that was introduced by a guy named Hank Avink. And I don't know if you know who Hank Avink is. He's an incredible coach that has helped many, many, many agents, including myself. And he built something called 36 to Life, which is this principle um, that we can do 36 deals a year and still have a great net life and that we can increase our uh, income each year by increasing our average sale price instead of doing more and more and more. And one of the things he teaches in there is this thing called 50-25-1, which is a series of activities that you do inside Facebook every single day to show the connection. So it's 50 emoji like likes, 20 comments, you know, hey, your dog looks so cute. Hey, your kids are getting so big, whatever, where we're just demonstrating that we see people. And the five and the one are types of conversations that you should be having every day, not about real estate, but about them. How are they doing? What's going on in their life? What do you need? What's important? So that side kind of covers that. And then the piece that you're asking about, I finally said to everybody, everyone's like, Monica, I get I'm supposed to be posting on Facebook. I just don't know what to post. I don't know what to post. Tell me what to post. Can I borrow your post today? I'm like, Okay, that's it. I'm solving this problem. So I built a library full of interesting and um, interaction-creating posts. And they are a variety. They're funny. They're informative. They're tips on staging. I mean, what? It's, it's a variety. So I built this library and this product called Ghost Poster, and it's G. H-O-S-T-P-O-S-T-R, no E-R, just R. And you can find that at ghostposter.com or you can go to mycoachmonica.com and you'll see the product there. But anyway, if you subscribe to this, um, and it's really cheap, by the way, for a year, it's only 199 bucks. I'm not trying to light the world on fire here. I'm trying to help you solve your problem, uh, which is what do I post every day? So you get access to this library and I send you a fresh new idea every single day. Plus, you have access to my coaching on Tuesdays where we get together in a group on Zoom, solve problems, answer questions, inspire you, that kind of thing. 
do you think they just tend to overthink that too much? They just kind of get stuck because they're just so concerned. It's got to be the perfect thing. You're a hundred percent right. And you know what else surprised me that I realized people, they were worried about what other agents would say. Mm -hmm. I don't want to post anything that's wrong. And then an agent calls me out and then I look stupid. That was such a common fear well, we've just really had to work through that. <laughs> we have to work through that one. And then the other thing is agents don't want to be that agent. And I'm doing that in quotes. I don't want to be that agent. It's always talking about real estate. Well, here's the thing. People love what we do. They love real estate. They love hearing our stories. They love the MLS. They love what we have access to. They, they love real estate. We are not selling insurance. It's amazing. It would be very bad if we were selling insurance. That would be very hard to entertain people with insurance, right? True. Yeah. Talk about title insurance. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, right. You know <laughs> so that. exciting. Yeah. Nobody yeah. even knows what it is. Yeah. Exactly. Um, exactly. I, let me. So there's some changes coming. Um, now, 2020, well, let's just not even talk about 2020. We've talked about that okay. enough, probably. Good. Both yeah. of us combined. Right. Good. Yes. Um, but you know, there's a lot of changes in the industry and there's always been changes throughout time. Today, if we looked at the thing that most people, um, especially if these these new models have entered their market, uh, it's a problem. And that's going to be the iBuyers or, or the portals like Zillow now doing what they're doing, mm -hmm. becoming a brokerage. Yeah. Uh, are you of the mindset that based on what you talk about and how you built your business and how you help your your clients we really don't need to worry about it too much. Is that is that a safe assessment? Absolutely. And and you worrying about it is what's stopping you from having success. That's the only thing that's stopping you is the fact that you're worrying and focusing on it. Because the reality is, let's say you need, I mean, Bill, can we agree that most agents have a nice business if they're doing 20 to 40 deals, right? I mean, yeah. yes, there are people doing more. And of course, that gets more sophisticated and whatever. Although I could argue that the same situation applies. But let's say I want to do 36 deals. The reality is if I have 15 solid relationships and 15 clients, generally speaking, half of those guys are going to buy and sell. So that's two sides. So I'm at 2021 20, deals right there. And then I only need, I don't know, another 10 referrals. You do not need to know everybody or capture every deal that is ever coming down the pike. You're not doing it. You need to be in deep, strong relationship with those people that are most important to you. And you need to be contributing to their lives, helping them get what they want, demonstrating what you do to help people. And you will not have to worry about anybody or anything because you'll have all the business you need. And then once you have, you string two or three years like that together, now you have 60 raving fans in addition to the other relationships you've been building on through three or four, like you could have a hundred deals this way. Agents get so caught up in shiny objects, which are things that are going to solve their problems and the enemy. Oh, Zillow's the enemy. Oh, this agent that's in my market. She's always whatever, like, stop, stop. You've got everything you need sitting right in front of you in your sphere of influence, in your database, on your Facebook page. Everything you need is right there. You're just in charge of doing the right things in front of those people. Monica, I love that answer. Um, yeah, I think that we have to <laughs> worry about ourselves and our people and our sphere and forget those outside influences. They're not 
they're not going to affect your business if you stay connected to your people. That's right. And you got it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, here I'm here um, at the final question. It's the same question I've asked every guest and, and uh, here you go. I I need your best uh, response here. And that's what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just getting started in the business? It's that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Right there. So I, I could have 70 answers to that and argue for all of them. But the one thing that sort of is the foundation under all of it is to find something that you do to generate leads and do it consistently. We as an industry, we as business owners, because that's what we are, we do not treat our business consistently. So I always say this, Bill, Agents think their job is to write offers, negotiate offers, show houses, list houses, whatever. That's actually not our job. That's a shadow effect of what our real job is. That's a shadow result of our real job. Our real job is to do something in our business to generate the leads. Now, you have transactional options there. You can do expireds for sale by owner, door knocking, whatever you want. I don't care. Open houses. Or you can do relationship-based business. Those are our two categories. Now, inside the relationship base, we talked a lot today about what you can be doing, but you must do it consistently. You can't show up for a couple people a couple weeks and then disappear. You can't post once or twice a week about real estate and say, I'm not getting the, the traction I need. It's not enough. You're just not being seen. You're not being thought of. And this idea of showing up as as the number one position in the category of realtor is a daily job. It's a daily job because every time, if you're, you're my client or Bill, you and I are friends, every time you go to bed, you wake up, the connection I made with you yesterday is gone. It's gone. You've got life going on. You've got way too many things to think about me. My job is to make sure you're scrolling through Facebook and you're like, oh yeah, Monica, real estate, scroll on by. My job is done. My job is done. I reconnected the dots for you, but it has to happen every single day. So pick something. I don't care what it is. Pick something and do it and do it and do it until you 30, 60, 90, 120 days until you have evidence of whether or not it's working for you. Then you can tweak, right? So it's consistency. Monica, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Best way, I do almost everything on my personal Facebook page. I do have my coach, Monica, but because I'm a relationship-based person, that's why I exist on my personal page more than I do on my business page. So go to Monica Weekly. It's W-E-A-K-L-E-Y. And um, if I don't have room for a friend, just follow me and then send me a, a Facebook message. I prefer that over anything. Monica, this has been really great talking to you. I love the the, the place you come from. Um, it's something that in my world at Fidelity, when I was there for 20 years, it was the exact same way, whether I was running a branch or helping the sales team, you know, kind of connect with agents. I think this is wonderful and continued success with uh, with both your your business as you get go back into production and and your coaching. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having me on today. I feel super honored. I mean, 259 podcast episodes, that's 
a lot. Good for you. Good for you. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast. To leave a review or rating, go to ratethispodcast.com slash RE Sessions. You can also subscribe to the podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. Finally, you can go to the realestatesessions.com and subscribe to our email newsletter and be notified whenever a new episode is released. Hey.